Did Bob Stoops just say the Oklahoma Sooners were close? Eh, kind of. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Lockdown Sooners. Plus, what are what's the biggest storyline facing the Sooners this offseason? And we got our championship weekend picks coming from Bet Online on today's episode. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hey, make sure to be ready for our Monday night live stream, Monday, 9 o'clock p.m. Central Time on the YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to the show over there on YouTube so you can be a part of the live stream, interact, chat with other fans, be a part of the show. We'll take your questions, your comments. Again, be a part of 9 p.m. Central Time, Monday night be there. I'm John Williams. That's Josh Helmer. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at John nine Williams. He's at Josh on ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on nine D four seven, the ref in Norman. I was going to say on nine to noon, but on 94, seven, the ref in Norman from nine to noon, uh, Monday through Friday, Josh, but when Bob Stoops speaks, we listen, right? The last man to win the national championship for the Oklahoma Sooners in football. So many years ago at this point, when he speaks, everybody takes notice. Now, he speaks a lot because he's on weekly radio programs with The Rush on 94.7 The Ref with Tyler and Teddy. He's also He was on with Gabe Eichert and Chris Plank, your partner over there at The Ref, uh, who also moon, uh, does some double duty with Sirius XM. Uh, so he, Bob Soups was on with Sirius XM and Gabe Eichert and Chris Plank and basically said Oklahoma wasn't far off. You look at a couple of their games, a play here, a play there, and maybe they're they have a couple more wins on the season. Um, you know, just talking about this idea, like should should there be worry amongst Oklahoma fans about the future of Oklahoma football under Brent Venables? And he basically said, no, like you shouldn't be worried, you shouldn't overreact. He said, I never overreact. Come on, Bob, we all overreact. From time to time, maybe he doesn't ever overreact on football things, but in essence, just saying like these guys know what the problems are. They'll address them. If they make a few plays here or there in any of those final three losses that they had, whether it was, you know, uh, West Virginia or Texas tech, maybe they, they pull out one of those games and maybe it's a different story. So what, what's your take on that, Josh? Were they that far off or were they, were they really far off? Were, are they who they their record says they are? Well, first off, nine to noon actually would be a really good name for a radio show. Just you don't even need you don't even need people's names in it. Just nine to noon is uh, actually a nice name for a program. Uh, that aside, no, I get what I get what Bob Stoops is saying. They they weren't that far off from winning four more games. Four more games, John. They could have won the Kansas state game. If you come up with a third down stop and then you get the football back chance to drive and we'll see what happens. Obviously from that point forward in Norman, not that far away 
from being able to make some some plays late to tie that game up. Who knows uh, the way that thing was going? I mean, probably at home, you're not going to elect to go for two. But in overtime, you know, you, you could have won that game right there. So that's one, right? TCU, Texas, like Bob Stoops, and I guess we're paraphrasing some of the conversation here. He basically, what Bob Stoops said was, yeah, you know, you didn't have Dylan Gabriel for most of the one game versus TCU, and you, you didn't have him for all of the Texas game. Now, you, I, I think a lot of people are sort of like, okay, and that's true, and Bob Stoops is right in the Texas game. You know, based on the way the rest of the season played out, John, it didn't feel that way at the time with 49 to nothing. But, uh, you know, honestly, that game could have played out totally different if Dylan Gabriel is playing quarterback. That being said, it feels like those two games, it's kind of like, all right, where's my, where's my, my trash here? Just crumple it up and, you know, throw it away because neither one of those two games were worth a rip for Oklahoma. But then beyond that, you start breaking down all of the other losses on the schedule and every single other game that Oklahoma lost. John, absolutely. A couple of plays offensively, a couple of plays defensively. You could have won those games. Baylor, if you take care of the football in the Baylor game, if you don't have the interceptions that you had in the Baylor game at home, we might be talking about, oh, you win in that game. West Virginia, no doubt. I mean, if you just, again, aren't absent for a half offensively in that game, defensively, uh, even even late in that one, right? As good as you were to start that game defensively, then at the end of the West Virginia game, man, just one series or two more at the end, and you walk out of Morgantown a winner. And then obviously Texas Tech still very fresh on everybody's mind. Uh, I mean, probably don't even have to rehash a lot of that. You led the game 17 to nothing. Could have been worse than that. 24 to 6, you led the game. Yeah, you, you have a little bit better finish in the first half. You're going to win that game in Lubbock. You, you know, execute on the fourth down try, the uh, fake field goal. You, you're going to win that game, John. But it didn't obviously just work out that way for Oklahoma. So I get what Bob's saying in a long-winded way of saying, yes, uh, I agree with a lot of what Bob Stoops is saying there. And I don't think Bob Stoops is saying this either, John. I don't think Bob's saying, because uh, if you listen to his quote, which, let's see, if you just search at SXM, which is Sirius XM, SXM College on Twitter, you'll find the clip that we're talking about. Bob Stoops uh, basically said, look, hey, I get that it's not perfect at Oklahoma right now, but that being said, you're still not that far away from having won a couple couple more games. And then the perception of six and six and how bad the first year for Brent Venables, John, it'd be totally different. Yeah, context matters. And they were just a few plays away in several games from picking up wins. At the same time, you didn't make those plays. Good teams find ways to win close games. And you were 0-4 in one-score games this season. You just weren't a good team. You weren't able to do what was necessary down the stretch in the third, fourth quarter. I think I saw, I saw a stat somewhere. I hadn't had a chance to really dig deep into it, but somebody posted a stat that was like Oklahoma averaged like five points per game in the fourth quarter. I got to go back and look at that to make sure, but they weren't good down the stretch in a lot of games. And just off the top of my head, I can't think of a quarter in which they played really good football in the fourth or a game in which they played really good football in the fourth quarter. Good teams find a way to play their best in crunch time, and this team didn't find that. I mean, they played great for you know the first quarter against Oklahoma State, and then the offense kind of tanked. Uh, against Texas Tech, I mean, they played really good for the first three quarters of that game. Offensively, they were moving the ball, scoring a lot of points, and even in the fourth quarter, they played well. But 
you know, towards the end of the second quarter, they gave, they gave Texas tech all the momentum going from 24 to six to 24, three at halftime, like gave it away. Good teams find a way to put their foot on their opponent's throats and put them away, not let them get back into it. And so sure we can, we can talk context. I'm all about the context. Like, yes, in a, in a vacuum, you don't turn the ball over against Baylor. You pick up one more third down and Bob Stoops referenced that. Like you pick up another third down. Maybe you win that game against Texas tech. Instead of having to settle for a field goal after the CJ Colden interception and you go and you get that first, first down and you go score a touchdown, you might win that game. Is Texas tech going to be able to drive the length of the field on your defense? Maybe it's probably a coin flip, but it's not, they're having to drive to get in the field goal range just to tie it. And so, yeah, you convert, but they didn't, they weren't good enough. And as Bill Parcells used to say, you're, you are what your record says you are. And they were an average football team. They were six and six, which is exactly average. Can they get better? Am I out on Brent Venables? Not at all. Do I think they need to make some changes within the coaching ranks? Probably. Are they going to have to increase and improve their talent? hundred percent, but I'm not out on Brent Venables. I think the future is still very bright with Brent Venables, but I, I don't think that this was a team that you could say, oh man, this is a, a nine and three, eight and four team if things just go their way a couple of ways. But the fact is they weren't good enough to make make the good luck happen for them. What is it that uh, Leo DiCaprio says in Titanic? He says a real man makes his own luck. Well, a good team, they find their own breaks. They don't have to, they don't have to get the good breaks. They just they create their own breaks. No, and that's a point well taken, and I, I tend to probably be more on that end of the equation than the, hey, you know, it wasn't that far away from eight and four and nine and three, which at Oklahoma, it, it's it's year one for Brent Venable, so I think a lot of people are keeping that in mind. But look, even if they won two of these six games that they lost, instead of losing all six of those, man, eight and four at Oklahoma is still eight and four at Oklahoma. And that's not going to make people feel all that great. Nine and three at Oklahoma is still nine and three at Oklahoma. I mean, three losses at OU is very rarely received well. But I get what Bob is saying that in terms of what the team was the year before last, which in 2021 was an 11 and two football team that clubbed down Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. And really, the only difference between last year's team and this year's team, John, is that OU in 2021 won six one score games right and really the kansas game you might as well chalk that up as a seventh one score game for anybody that actually watched that game right it's 35 23 is the final but that was not a 35 to 23 game over kansas in lawrence yeah it was it was by the uh what do they say the skin of their teeth in that game and then you lost a, a couple of other one score games too to oklahoma state and uh uh, there, there was another game on there that I'm, I'm missing right now. So the only difference was that you won those close games a year ago. And then the other difference was this, John. And, and I guess Nebraska this season would fit into this category that I'm about to talk about. But OU did, and I'll give them credit for this. OU did with Caleb Williams once they left uh, the State Fair of Texas. They dominated TCU and they dominated Texas Tech. So that we never really saw this OU team do that at uh, any point in Big 12 play. Maybe kind of the Iowa State game, but not really that. 
Well, the the wins that they had in Big 12 play were by double digit points. You know, the Kansas game, they won by 10. The Oklahoma State game, they won by 15. And the the Iowa State game, what was it, 15 or 14? I can't remember the final on that one off the top of my head. So, I mean, when they won, they won big. It's just they they didn't come through in close games, which they played a lot of those this year. Ultimately, they started off 3-0. They went 3-6 and in Big 12 play. It's not good enough. And again, context matters. They didn't have, you know, Gabriel for most of TCU. They didn't have Gabriel for at all Texas, you know, the, the Red River showdown. And so me like doing this, that's me like taking the Texas game, completely tossing it out the window. It it's gone. We're just wiping it from our memory bank because that's that game doesn't matter. Texas fans can enjoy the 49, nothing beat down that they had over, over Oklahoma without a quarterback. That's fine. They can enjoy that. But that game is not reflective of what this program is going to be at all. And again, I think they're going to be fine. I think Brent Venables is going to turn this thing into a contender. And a lot of what's going to happen with Brent Venables and the Oklahoma Sooners and turning them back into a title contender is happening over the next two months. And that starts with early signing day and national, sorry, the early signing period and national signing day, which I think for you and I both would probably be the top storyline. And we're going to talk about that uh, just after the break. And here I'm going to talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from Major League Baseball to the NBA, NHL, NFL, college football, boxing, MMA, esports, whatever you want to bet on. Bet Online's got you covered. They got all the best lines and odds. You can find great news, scores, insight over at Bet Online. Again, it's betonline.net. It's the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports. And we'll have our college football picks. Uh, for the championship weekend coming up in the third segment. But we want to talk just top storylines for the Oklahoma Sooners. And I, I think, Josh, you and I probably both agree, and maybe you could differ, I don't know, but really how they finish this 2023 cycle is going to be incredibly important for Brent Venable's tenure. Like this might be the most critical recruiting class that he has to get him started on the right foot. Absolutely. And I, I'm still hopeful that the finish to the 2022 class from the moment that Lincoln Riley bolted to USC to the work that Bob Stoops to Cale Gundy to the entire staff that was here at Oklahoma in the interim to obviously Brent Venables and Miguel Chavis and Jeff Levy and everybody coming in uh, obviously with the new staff at the end there that what you were able to do to close 2022 that we're going to look back on and say, okay, whoo, that 2022 football season, not a lot of fun throughout that season, but what they did to close that signing class. And then yes, what you mentioned with this 2023 class, that those two groups can be the two groups that lay the foundation here for a lot of success for Oklahoma. And I got to tell you, man, there's some, some buzz that uh, I know there's been some, flip-flop city that Oklahoma's been interested in. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's a guarantee that this guy or that guy's coming to Oklahoma. I will just say very coyly. Is that a word? Coyly? You'll allow it. Why not? We're not, we're not writing. We don't have Grammarly on the, uh, the audio, so we can make up words up here. Well, I will just say slightly smugly that... <laughs> I think Oklahoma is about to make Sooner fans happy 
in this next three weeks with some of the names that are late arrivals to this 2023 class. So to your point, yes, that is going to be gigantic for Oklahoma. And it's a, you know, big, it's the most important thing, right? I mean, it's the next thing. So that naturally makes it the most important thing, but it was always going to be the most important thing, right? Outside of Oklahoma going out and winning the big 12 championship or going to the college football playoff and shocking the world, right. And winning a national championship in year one of Brent Venables, the most important thing was always going to be beyond winning and having a good season. It was going to be what did this first, what did this 23 class look like? And what's the 24 class after it going to look like? And right now returns are good and I don't think they're done. No, not at all. And I mean, you just start with Jackson Arnold. Like he might not be the number one rated quarterback in the 2023 class, but I mean, he looks just as good as every one of them. Like he doesn't look like he takes a backseat to Arch Manning, to Makai, uh, to Malachi Nelson, Nicholas, I'm going to mess his name up going out to Tennessee. Like it doesn't look like he takes a backseat to any of those guys. Like it looks like he's got the arm strength, the athleticism, the pocket presence, the poise, the competitive drive, the intangibles. Like it looks like he's got all of it. And so you start a, a class with a guy like that and it just creates a whole different dynamic and element for the rest of your, of your recruited class. Then you got PJ Atabare, like another five-star player who just looks like a dynamic dude off the edge that's huge for you. Uh, then Derek LeBlanc. I mean, there's a whole host of these guys that I think are really solid players or really, you know, at least high school players. They're going to have a chance to make huge impacts at the next level. And then, you know, our, our friends over at Sooner Scoop, the guys at Rivals, they're putting in um, Rivals future casts for Oklahoma to land Peyton Bowen, a five-star teammate of Jackson Arnold down there at Denton Geyer. Like, if you can land three five stars in this first recruiting class for Brent Venables, this first full recruiting cycle, you know, giving him a whole year to really put this class together, that's incredibly important. And then there's the David Hicks, you know, potential that's out there. Yes, he's still committed to Texas A&M, but we're seeing what's happening with Texas A&M. There's decommitments almost every day. There's guys entering the transfer portal almost every day. Now, Texas A&M, they're going to retain a lot of those guys. But there seems to be a mass exodus over the last two recruiting classes and several other players. I mean, our guy, Joey Ikes, who runs Locked on Aggies, he put in the group chat that they had eight players enter the transfer portal already. And the season's just finished, not including all the people that have decommitted. So, I mean, David Hicks is a real possibility. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Nobody really knows except for David Hicks and his mom and dad but it's still a real possibility. So you add potentially four or five stars to this recruiting class. That's, that's a game changer. And it really lays the foundation for Brent Venables for his staff to put together a really strong football team. And, and some of these guys could have impacts in 2023 who knows which ones, but there's a chance. And so this 2022 class, like Josh said, like they didn't sit back, you know, like Lincoln Riley, when he went to USC, he laid back, like he did not, it didn't, the recruiting class did not seem to be much of a priority for him, except for the guys that were committed to Oklahoma, the Makai Lemon, the Malachi Nelson, um, Relique Brown. Like those guys seem to be a priority, but the rest of it, he just kind of like laid back and wasn't really out there doing the, like putting forth the work to make sure they had a top 10 class like Brent Venables and his staff did. They went from 28th after, you know, as soon as all the decommits started happening and the flips to eighth in the nation in recruiting. 
Like that just shows you the work that they put in to make that happen in two months, less than two months time. And so like that, the way that they finished that, getting our Mason Thomas to flip from Iowa State, getting Grayson Halt to flip from Oregon, huge. And it, they may not have the talent, like the stars, but the effort that the, the coaching staff and the program put into securing that class and making it as good as it could possibly be, that's going to, that's going to pay dividends for this team. And even if, you know, not all those guys become star players for Oklahoma, they're going to be significant role players for this team, you know, in 2023, 2024, in addition to the 2023 class, you know, starting to get snaps in 2023 and then really starting to find their, their footing in 2024 and becoming a big part like those 2022, 2023 guys, that's going to be 2024, 2025. Like that's going to be your, the core of your team. And so I like that you brought up 2022. It's, it's easy to gloss over that because we're about to hit early signing period for 2023, but these two classes, I mean, that's, they're the group that's going to take you into the sec. They're the group that's going to potentially have you contending for a playoff spot in an expanded playoff in 2024. Huge, absolutely huge. And so, yeah, 2020 right now recruiting it's, it's priority number one. Now they got to get ready for a bowl game. They got to get, you know, some other things figured out transfer portal, locking up, you know, making sure they, they know who are the guys that are going to return to the team, but sign, you know, signing this 2023 class is critical for Brent Venables. And if they can hit this out of the park, I think it's going to allay any fears. It's going to allay any concern or worry about the future of Oklahoma under Brent Venables, the future of Oklahoma going into the SEC. If they can go from right now, they're ranked number seven at 24-7 sports and their team rankings, they can get that back into a top five, top three, which seems very possible. Then what's not to like? The sky is the limit then for Oklahoma. I'm going to say something that I don't really cherish saying, John. This signing class is more important than the ball game. Okay. And it's tough for me. It's no, tough 100%. For me. It's tough for me to say that because I, I think that ultimately winning and winning football games is the most important thing, generally speaking. But it's more important that they close this class out for Oklahoma than this one bowl game. It just it is. And and usually you wouldn't find me saying something like that, but given where Oklahoma finds itself, even though it would give Oklahoma its first losing season if they don't win since nineteen ninety-eight, closing this class is more important than that bowl game. Well, here's here's a another kind of like twist on that. Texas went five and seven and their recruiting didn't suffer. So you want to prove that you're a blue blood program and that you're still one of the elite programs in college football, have a losing season and not have your recruiting class suffer. Like that's to me that, and I think we're showing that right now, right? Like they're six and six and the recruiting class isn't really suffering. Yeah. You lost Caleb Spencer to Miami, John Ruiz and his bankroll down there at Miami. Yeah. You lost Colton Fasick, a Texas legacy to Texas where he's from born and raised in Austin. Uh, and then, yeah, you lost Anthony Evans to the school that his mom loves to watch. So like three people, it makes kind of, it. I'm not losing sleep over those guys, but you close out the rest of this class with some of the names that are still possible for Oklahoma Malachi Coleman decommitting from Nebraska. Like that's on the table again. He was down to Oklahoma and Nebraska before he committed to the Cornhuskers like that being on the table for a six, five, you know, what, 220, 
wide receiver tight end combo. Like this, this team is going to be great. And this recruiting class is going to be great. And you're absolutely right. Like the, the bowl game, it's going to be fun. It's important. They want to go win that game. Seven and six looks a lot better than six and seven, even though it's just a one game difference. It just creates a different feeling about this team going into the off season. But like you said, the most important thing is signing the recruiting class, finishing this thing out with not just two five stars on your, on your ledger, but maybe even more and taking it from seven to five or three or maybe even higher depending on how this thing plays out there could be some uh again some names that maybe haven't gotten talked about a bunch yet to keep an eye on i'm thinking of a teammate of uh dj hicks of david hicks if you can well not a teammate a commit fellow commit with Texas A&M right now and Damian Sanford that you should be uh, as an Oklahoma fan have on your radar. We've talked about Micah Tease in the past. Jordan Allen, I think is a possibility like a Malachi Coleman, John for this recruiting class still as a flip for Oklahoma and uh, maybe Eno Etta out of Michigan right now as a commit. So I would just have those names on your radar. Not saying that Oklahoma's getting any of those. Not saying that Oklahoma's getting all of those. We know about Bowen's getting the crystal balls, but I would say it's it's reasonable to have some of those names on your radar right now as an OU fan. Bring it. So enjoy the weekend. Hope you all stay warm, stay safe. Enjoy time with your loved ones. And uh, until we talk on uh, the next show, and then also make sure you're around for the Monday night live stream at 9 p.m. on Monday, 9 p.m. Central Time on Monday on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the show over there or wherever you get your podcast. But if you want to be a part of the live stream, which we highly recommend, a lot of great conversation that happens in the chat as we're discussing uh, your, your comments and your questions, uh, make sure you subscribe to the show over on YouTube. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.